Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. This game is crazy, man. Hey, what's going on, man? 
Not too much. I'm trying to see the end of this game. This, this oh, yeah, I'm watching it. I'm watching it. Yeah, so that's why it was no rush. <laughs> okay, okay. Good, good. Yeah, it got me too. Yeah, you know saying there's no doubt. <laughs> I had it on, doing some prep, looking at some stuff. Yeah, you know I'm saying like I'm like, oh, right. they was up by ten, then they couldn't score. I'm like, oh lord. I mean, I'm I'm upset with the chance of MVP. The guys only got seven points. I don't know what's going on here, you know, but. This is ice if he hits this one. That's a two-possession game. Woo! Man. Damn, that's going to be our thing. That's what we're going to see in the Eastern Conference Finals then, man, probably. Yeah, that's fine. Teams get better over the season now. Oh. Oh, give us the ball. Not the market smart. Oh, they can't. What is that band he's wearing? Yeah, I ain't got no problem with that. that they're playing well, though. I'll give them that. Yeah, they're they are. Well. Playing well. Uh, but here's the thing. Nobody's attacking them like you would in a series. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You go at Horford, you make Baines come out. You know what I mean? You make them play smaller. I mean, you go at Kyrie, honestly. What do they do when he's off the floor? Does it come to Marcus Smart score? You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, those are two big free throws. This is a big win for them now. You know what I'm saying? God, those, I mean, the Twitter sphere is going to be fucking unruly, man. These fucking NBA fans, I mean. Yeah. But, hey, you know the thing is I look at it, man. Whatever it takes to keep this guy LeBron James motivated, man. That's a, It's all positive, you know what I mean? Even though it's not, you know, I mean, the Cavs won their games, but I'm just saying. They saying that he can't win the East, that Boston's the better team. That's good. That's real good, you know? So. Right. Right. Unbelievable game. Oh, man. We could ever get our football teams on track, it'd be all right. But I'm getting tired of uh, of it being the Steelers and Ravens running the division. Yeah. Um, I mean, I got no hope for this situation up here. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, y'all got a better I chance. Think, of- I- Personally, I think it's the general manager. You can coach. I, I have faith in you. I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say this, but I don't know if you've watched these games, man. This guy, here's the thing that happens with the Browns. It doesn't matter who comes in here. They make the same mistakes, and it's arrogance, and it's just the fact of not respecting the history of the Browns. Things are harder in Cleveland almost like everything else in life. But things are harder in Cleveland with this Browns team. The perfect example um, was the half, the, the the possession going into the half last week when Deshaun Kaiser decided to audible and go for a QB sneak from the four-yard line with seven or eight seconds left. 
Like you can't you you can't have him doing that. And you you, you got as a coach, you got to have him believing in whatever play you call to move forward. Yeah. There's no question they are devoid of talent. But when you're in positions to actually make a play to win, and you find a way to cuff that away, I mean, there's been time management issues every game. I mean, it's the same stuff, man. The guy, like, and I mean, I, it, it, here's something simple too. They can't even get the plays in on time most of the time. Like they're running up against delay of games. They waste timeouts, and then that comes back to haunt them in some of these games where the score is a little bit closer, where they could have maybe got another playoff, maybe got another opportunity. Um, you never know with time of possession. So like it's it, it, he is not, and, it's, and the problem is it's a it's a more stressful situation of coaching anywhere else. And it's not because it's the pressure to win. It's just the pressure to overcome the past mistakes and the history of all the just negativity that surrounds it, man, and and also the dysfunction because there is that problem with the front office and whatnot. But if you just focused on your job as a coach, put all that away and just say, hey, we're going to try to win every play, you would actually have a winning chance knowing that that's what have stopped the coaches in the past that have been with Cleveland. But nobody does that. They, they're so arrogant thinking I can come in and do whatever I want to do my way and we'll, we'll be okay, and that hasn't been the case, and the record speaks for itself, man. It doesn't matter how much faith anybody has. They're one in twenty-four in the last twenty-five games. That's unacceptable. It doesn't matter who is coaching, whatever their name is. That's unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. I, I digress on that statement. You know what I'm saying? I just, you know, I like you. I like everything. Like you know, it's all brothers working up there, man. I don't want to be bad mouthing them, but they stink. They all stink. It's all bad. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, but it always starts at the top, man, in the front office. Oh, this is a, this is, but it's not even the front office; it's the owner situation. Because honestly, man, you got a situation where he should be working directly with the general manager, not going straight to the owner and keep saying the ownership is going to give me time. He believes that he has a good relationship with Jimmy. He talks to Jimmy and D Haslam. Like that, that you can't be, you know, having your coach back door to the owner and having that, you know, adversarial coach versus GM thing. It's too much to overcome with the dysfunction for them not to be on the same page working together. Right. Right. Once again, it's just the history of it. You know what I mean? Like, you can't afford to do that. You can't afford to have arguments over who who we want as quarterback. Find a way to come to a consensus and go with it and be all right with it. I don't care if you're either the general manager's got to relent or the coach has got to relent, but somebody's got to say back up and say, hey, man, we got to do this for the good of the team. Let's go with your guy this year. If next year there's an opportunity, we'll go with somebody else or we'll revisit it and go with, you know, whatever it takes for us to win. We can't spend energy on that. We need to find receivers. Right. We need to find, you know, depth at other positions. So, right. I don't know. But. You know, everybody comes in, and that's the same thing that happens, you know. That is true. That is true. Frustrating. Frustrating. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to get into it, man. All right. All right. With an Ohio Bias presents the I-71 South podcast featuring Garrett Staples, Garrett, uh, been some road woes for the Who Day Nation. Uh want to welcome you on in, and we're going to talk about it. Hey, welcome with an Ohio Bias. It's good to talk with you again. Been a little while. It's been far too long. And, uh, yeah, we're we getting ready to jump into it, man. The good, the bad, and the ugly, and it's been more ugly than it's been good. 
Yeah, the, the Bengals dropped two on the road to Jacksonville and Tennessee, respectively. Um, everything from A.J. Green getting into a fight to Vontez Burfick, maybe being Vontez Burfick aired uh <laughs> But we look at we look at this uh, part after you know half the season's over. The Bengals are three and six. Um, it pretty much is you know looking at who could else uh, step in here next year and take this thing over. But it's also about the Bengals showing who can step up and play well in the back end of the season. I mean, there's still you know a little bit of things to play for besides pride. Guys got to play to see you know audition themselves to stay on this roster as any change that will come. Yeah, it's uh it's 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 getting ugly across the board and you know, the Bengals are in one of those situations, you know, after these these two close losses. I mean, they the Bengals played well, um, in Tennessee, Jacksonville, uh, after AJ went out it, it, it kinda it kinda got away from them, but you know the Bengals are pretty much like they're they're in a uh, almost have to win out mode, and the way this offensive line is built, it's just not realistic from a protection standpoint because Andy Dalton is really he's he's running for his life, and you know you have such a talented back like Joe Mixon, and he's he has to juke once or twice. You know a defensive lineman is basically there for the handoff of the ball, and that that just can't happen. I just don't see it. Yeah, twenty-three-seven loss to the Jaguars, and then uh, the, the close, real close loss, twenty-four to twenty to Tennessee. And uh, I actually watched the end of that game. Here, it felt like you know whoever had the ball last was going to have the opportunity to win, but it looked like the Bengals had did enough. And then uh, even you know looked like they had hurt Mariota, but uh, he showed some toughness, man, some real toughness. Got back in the game and put together a winning drive for the Tennessee Titans that uh, ultimately um, gave the Bengals that sixth loss. Yeah, um, you know, the Bengals have struggled offensively. The Bengals, I mean, a key stat in the fourth quarter, they've put up the least amount of points in all of the NFL in the fourth quarter, and you can't win games like that. The offensive production, it just – the third quarter, they maybe put a, put up a field goal usually, and then in the fourth quarter, they don't score. There's not too many teams in the NFL you're going to beat you know, so I mean, that was like an offensive eruption for uh, the Bengals to score a touchdown in the uh, in the fourth quarter. So you're thinking to yourself, you know, watching the game as it's progressing, you're thinking, you know, the strength of this team right now is the defensive side of the ball, and you were thinking they could just they could just hold on and get a stop and uh, win this ball game, but that it just it just didn't happen that way. And uh, you could tell that the Bengals really, really played uh, their heart out, you know, for this game because basically this this was their season down there in uh, Nashville and Tennessee. They either won this ball game, you know, and, and kind of creep back to a uh, try to get back to 500. If not, you know, it, it pretty much the season is a wash. And then you, you you have these questions surrounding the team as far as you know Marvin's contract expiring at the end of the season and you know, is this core going to be back? Or, you know, normally with a new head coaching staff, they they bust the team up. So these are, these are all questions that that have to be addressed at the end of the season with Mike Brown, the owner. 
Is there any highlights or anything positive that you can point to that you've seen over the last couple of weeks? You know, maybe a rookie standout, maybe somebody that surprised you. Anything that you can, you know, give give the Bengals fans, you know, a little bit of, you know, something to look forward to. <laughs> well, hey, on the up and up and on the positive, I have to say uh, Carl Lawson, defensive end out of Auburn, he's he's making great strides and uh, great progress. He's looking good. Uh, Jordan Willis, he's he's playing some some solid football. He's not looking too bad, and uh, you know basically Andrew Billings uh, redshirted with the knee injury this previous season, this past year, and uh, he looks he looks very well. You know, starting to anchor the defensive line, you know, at nose tackle because it looks like he's pretty much taking over the snaps from uh, from uh, Pat Sims. So that's that's a positive. You talked about Joe Mixon. Um, we know Jeremy Hill is hurt. We probably won't see him return next year. He'll probably be on his way out with Marvin Lewis. Um, you think this is a time where it's a heavy dose of Joe Mixon set up that play action pass, and that way AJ Green and and you know that that receiving core can get you know that uh, get get some of those big plays down the field that the Bengals are used to be known for. Well, it, it, like I said before, it all comes down to protection and for the quarterback and run blocking. And the Bengals are having serious issues doing either one, you know, wh- whether it's pass blocking, pass protection, or run blocking, where Joe Mixon is a, an outstanding ba- uh, back, heck of a talent. But he's getting, I mean, as soon as he's get, catching the, the handoff, He's getting hit in the backfield, so it's it's or, or having to make a, a amazing juke just to get out of the backfield. So it, it, it depends, but yeah, you're gonna have to the way this offense is built, you're gonna have to you know stay true, try to stay true to the running game, get that going, and then play action off of that. That's that's what this offense is built off of. Yeah, and we uh, I referenced Jeremy Hill. He has a, he decided to opt to have. Season-ending uh, ankle surgery, um, and uh, Marvin Lewis was even shocked by that decision. But uh, so it wouldn't be the first time that something wasn't, you know, informed to the coach. But uh, yeah. the, it still it's was the talent there. Go ahead. <laughs> oh my bad. It, it, it's not shocking. I mean, you could see um, as the years progressed, and just like we all thought that Joe Mixon was drafted to be the predecessor to Jeremy Hill, and to basically, in all intents and purposes, to replace him. And as the season has progressed, you can see that Mixon is, he is what we thought he was. He is he is the bell cow back, the premier back. And I, I think he'll opting out to basically uh, get that surgery done. It was basically because his role has been diminished to the point where he was only really getting maybe two or three snaps uh, in the first quarter, and then the rest of it is really starting to go into uh, the workload is going to Joe Mixon. One other guy on that offensive side that's been often injured and uh, maybe a little bit of a disappointment this season, and uh, he admitted that he's you know kind of let the team down a little bit is John Ross. Your thoughts on what he's brought to the table, and can he you know turn this season around maybe on the back end with some big plays? I'm not sure, you know, it's that's interesting because when you talk John Ross, here the Bengals have spent the, the, the number nine 
uh, overall pick in the first round of the draft on John Ross. Um, blazing speed, but I don't know if it's a combination from what Marvin Lewis is saying at one point. I'm not sure if it's the playbook or or him just finishing his routes, but that's what uh, in the coach's tape uh, released by the Cincinnati Enquirer, they were pointing out saying that John Ross didn't run his uh, routes effectively all the way through, and he gave up on the ball. And, you know, with Marvin, Marvin already has this thing where he doesn't like to really play rookies a lot anyways. So that, that that's – I don't know if I think it's just some of Marvin not wanting to play a rookie or is it that John Ross is not finishing out his plays. But I don't know. I, I think he's in uh, Marvin's doghouse right now, and I don't see John Ross – I don't know if he, he even suits up this game, unfortunately. Well, one guy that was never in the doghouse was D'Amato Pecco. And uh, he's a he's a guy that's very familiar to the Hude Nation, and uh, even the Bengals still have a healthy respect for him. Even some of the comments coming out calling him a warrior. But he'll be ready for them as the Bengals go into mile high to take on the Broncos this week. How do you see this one playing out, Garrett? The Bengals going into mile high, uh, excuse me, mile high, and uh, the Broncos have taken a couple good butt whoopings between the uh, – the Patriots, and I can't remember who they lost to the week before, but they 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 taken some some poundings. And who else to get healthy on and feast on with one of the worst offensive lines uh, per Pro Football Focus of the Bengals for Von Miller and, and those guys to to get back on track, Shane Ray and those guys. So I don't know how this is going to shake out because I think. If the Bengals' offensive line, I mean, I hope if you know they would make some substitutions, they would bench uh, left tackle Cedric Abway, who Cedric Abway, he who's ended up to turn out to be a bust coming out of Texas A&M. I think it's safe to say it by now. I know it's only the second season, but he's just not improving coming off of that ACL injury. And uh, the center Russell Bodine, who's one of the lowest-rated uh, centers per Pro Football Focus, those two guys. I don't know what the coaching staff is not seeing on the film that, you know, the fans are seeing during the games, but those guys need to be benched, you know. So it just doesn't bode well to be going all the way out to Denver with that fierce defensive line, defensive front uh, that can really pass rush and get to the quarterback with Von Miller Miller and Cole. And to have your left tackle struggling the way he is, I mean, I, I know that the Broncos are looking at this on the film and saying, we really got to exploit these, these weak weak matchups as far as uh, coming off of the end, the left tackle. And then you just mentioned Demata Pecco. He's a nose tackle coming right up the middle on Russell Bodine. So it just doesn't bode well for the running game or the passing attack. Yeah, you talk about the Broncos. Uh, they also are 3-6. and six. Vance Joseph on a little bit of the hot seat out there in Mile High. And uh, they took that shellacking not only to the New England Patriots, Garrett, but what you were referencing was the one, the 51-point beatdown by the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that's what you were remembering. The Broncos took that one on the chin. Uh, Yeah, 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 to the Eagles, um, definitely. I I think, you know, if I'm I'm in the Broncos' shoes and I'm I'm really going to throw something out there to kind of shake up the the whole Bengals' forefront, you know, if I'm I'm – if I'm a team like Jacksonville or Denver, 
and I still feel like I'm in the playoff race and I'm a quarterback away, you know, unfortunately the uh, the trade deadline has gone and passed, but, you know, Denver to me, they're, they're only a quarterback away. I'd make a deal for Andy Dalton. I'd make a deal for A.J. McCarron. I'd make a deal for Eli Manning. You know, those two teams are just a quarterback away. So it's it's – it's interesting. I, I I just don't see the Broncos winning with uh, you know, you you with a Paxton Lynch or a or Trevor Simeon. These all all these guys are journeyman quarterbacks uh, to me right now, or 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 career future backups. So it'll be. I think just from an offensive standpoint, that Denver can't put up a lot of points. The Bengals should be in this in this ball game. Yeah, you're going to get Brock Osweiler this week. So uh, exactly, exactly. You, you, it's like a it's a quarterback carousel in Denver. Yeah, and you talk about you know possible trades. I mean, just make sure you get your paperwork in. That's the most important thing. The Browns found that out the hard <laughs> way. Uh, but we, we we'll save that for next week when the Bengals will meet up with the Browns. All right, Garrett, give us a give us a you know prediction for the score and uh, you know is this the week that the Bengals get back in the winning column? Well, uh, I, hey, Bengals fans, I'm 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 gonna remain try to remain optimistic, even though this has been a rough season. Um, just because I feel like you know the ineptitude at, at the quarterbacking position for the Denver Broncos and that that quarterback carousel they're playing, I think whoever you, whoever they uh, start, you'll be in the game to the end of the game. So I, I see the Bengals maybe. Maybe sneaking away with this game. It'll be a defensive struggle. It'll be ugly. Neither one of these teams are putting out a lot offensively output-wise. So I'd say 16-13 Bengals. All right, and that could get the Bengals to four and six, and they got Cleveland. That's five and six, and the second, the back end of the season could really be something. So uh, all is not lost there, Garrett. You know, uh, there still could be a little fireworks, but it starts a mile high, and we just hope people aren't getting high in Denver. Go ahead, go ahead and take us out, Garrett. Uh, oh, real quick, ladies and gentlemen, you'll be getting more from us. Uh, schedules don't permit always, but we try to get you the content when we can. Uh, you can always follow us at With an Ohio Bias, so you'll see what's coming and uh, what's coming at you when it's available. And make sure you give us a like on the Facebook With an Ohio Bias, and of course, always write us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or in the Google Play Store. Definitely, definitely, and uh, With an Ohio Bias is also doing well. Uh, you know, I was in media school for Ohio Media School today, and we just took a look at the page and at the analytics, and, uh, you know, we got 50, 50% uh, more traffic, you know, on the page and, and people really, you know, engaging and, and taking a look at the page and, and interested in our posts and everything else like that. So we appreciate the feedback, and we'll definitely, you know, continue to bring the great content to you and the podcast. And, uh, you know, for the I-71, I-71 South podcast, I love to do it. I, I, I enjoy it. You I, you can hear it. I'm always excited to talk Bengals. That's my squad. That's my team. And uh, as always, when I sign out, I'm going to let Bengals Nation know and Bengals them know. Who they? All right. With an Ohio bias presents the 10th unit report. Saying goodbye to the seniors. I am the Buckeye born and raised, Buckeye born and bred, and we welcome in the veteran, Garrett Staples. Hello, everybody. Tenth unit report. 
Hey, uh, let's let's talk a little Buckeyes. It's, it's been a, a couple weeks, and uh, we've seen some highs, we've seen some lows, and and we're gonna jump in between and, and throughout and, and tackle all of it and talk about these Buckeyes. Of course, Garrett. I mean, as we know, in the great state of Ohio, we got some great theme parks, man, from Cedar Point all the way down to, you know, Kings Island. And you know what they got there? They got the roller coasters, Garrett. And that's what it's been with this Buckeye football team, man. I mean, from the big win against James Franklin's Lions to the letdown in Iowa. I mean, uh, oh, ever since that first end of that first quarter, when I saw Urban Meyer, who almost forgot to wave to the kids in the children's hospital, I mean, it was all sadness after that, man. So, uh, but we're bound back with a huge win over Michigan State. Garrett, what have we learned just, you know, about this Buckeye football team, you know, in these three games when you think about the range of emotions you probably personally went through and then the way that you saw the team respond on the football field? Well, let's let's kind of go week by week. Can we can we kind of do that? So, I yeah. mean, if you, if you talk about the Penn State game, you know, they started – the Buckeyes have this thing, I don't know what it is, in these big games. Why must you start off so slow? I don't I don't get it. You know, before you look up, you know, you have the kick return for Saquon Barkley. You're down seven nothing already. Um, you know, maybe a three and out, then the next thing you know, you're down fourteen to nothing. So it, it just it's hard to beat these better teams who are almost if not equally matched with you and going down fourteen nothing, seventeen nothing expecting you know, to dig yourself dig yourself out of those holes. But, I mean, it was an amazing game once the Buckeyes started to dig in, start putting some stop together, stops together defensively and changing the, uh, the, the, the field position to where it was uh, more friendly for the offense, you know, to work with the short field and start scoring some points. Yeah, and both of those games. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead, go ahead. No, I think about the, the, the game against Franklin's Lions, and I'll tell you this. You know, the one thing that I kept feeling, you know, even though, and I think both those, even going to the Iowa game a little bit, both of them were about overcoming mistakes. One week they did, one week they didn't. Um, but the other key thing that I think about watching those games, Garrett, was the time of possession. As much as it was going bad against, you know, the guys from Unhappy Valley, there was so much time left. You just kept feeling like, man, you know, like it, it was like, oh, not that again. Not a, not, don't give up a play on special teams. Why are we not kicking the ball in the end zone? You know, like. Exactly. But the, it was just so much time left. And I think Franklin did a terrible job for his football team of not measuring that time of possession. The Buckeyes got every opportunity, and they maximized it in the second half. And, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about JT Barrett on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, just because it's, you know, his senior day and what that means and where he might rank in Buckeye quarterback them and all that kind of stuff. But JT Barrett probably played the best game of his entire career in that game against them and considering how bad it was two years ago and they escaped with an overtime victory um you know i just thought that was a a full circle thing for jt barrett in that whole thing and uh we all know what happened the next week but at least for that one week he was a man yeah um you know just it just really it really kind of stuck to how urban meyer why he sticks with his guys a veteran quarterback even with some of us fans, you know, basically saying, you know, he should have went to uh, Dwayne Haskins, you know, but it just spoke volumes of why he stuck with uh, J.T. Parrott, and and he just came out and was a leader, and uh, 
just didn't give up in the second half. He didn't. He just stuck with the stuck with the plan and uh went with it. And I, I just think with the Buckeyes in general, um if you look at a Braxton Miller's game, he's a little bit better athletically than uh say JT is with explosive plays with his feet. And I, I think when the Buckeyes when they start going in the wrong direction is when they rely on JT to carry the ball too much instead of letting the halfbacks take care of that with Weber and uh, and with J.K. Dobbins. If they if they just establish the run more, because really, even though we run a spread offense, the offense is still predicated on a power running game off the counters, of off the off the gut, right off the butt of the uh, center, right up the middle, you know, and, and some of your stretch run plays. And as you get the defense to start cheating up, that's when you start play action and, and start with Kevin Wilson and start taking shots downfield. And that's what we kind of get away from. And when we get away from that running game, you're asking JT to do too much where he's got to throw and run with his feet and legs. Um, two two other things that stuck out in those games. We know targeting has played a big role over the last couple of weeks for the Buckeyes. We've been losing players to that rule. Um, whether however you feel about the calls and whatnot, you know, warranted or not, um, it's just played a big role. The other thing is who you bring up. I don't think we've seen Kevin Wilson. I mean, I, I don't think we've seen Wilson call, at least have the play calling perfect for a game for this Buckeye football team. I don't think he has his hands fully around just getting this offense humming. We've seen some guys step up and make plays, which has been good. Um, we've seen the emergence of, you know, Benjamin Victor. We talked about that. Yes. Austin Mack has been the guy that I think is going to really take it to the next level as we see him jump from one year to the next. Um, yes. Just because he's he's flashed every time you've seen him making key catches and just being sure-handed. Um, mm-hmm. Can't say the same thing for Marcus Ball, Paris Campbell, or Johnny Dixon. And it was good to see Paris Campbell return after, you know, um, you know, being out with an injury. But, yeah. And that's been another thing. Some of the injuries at some of the positions we know on defense, the linebacking quarter has suffered. Um, but yeah. there, there was no excuse for what happened in Iowa. And to see the way that they bounce back as we move forward to the last week against Sparty, you, you, it left you shaking your head because the potential is there. We know the talent, you know, when you talk about the athleticism and things like that across the board. We know who's, you know, working out at the university, the five stars and all that stuff. But it's putting it all together, whether it's the play calling, yeah. you know, having guys be disciplined, you know, and then just not making, you know, you're not going to play perfect football, but you can't making be making mistakes and yeah. and, and kick, the ball, kick the ball to the end zone. I don't know what we're trying to do on that with special teams. With all due respect to Coach Meyer, um, I know the whole, you know, theory about kicking it to the 10 and whatnot. Kick the ball to the end zone and let's take it from there. Let's talk, sometimes we've got to get back to the basics of football. And that also speaks to my bad, Garrett. That also, I was thinking about that whole thing about getting back to basically. It speaks to what you're talking about. Just run the ball. You got you got an offensive line led by Billy Price, who's been amazing and has that feat of you know the most starts by a collegiate player. Run the ball. Run it up center. Run it off the center's butt. Just run the ball with your running back. Sometimes I don't know. Stop throwing the ball to the boundary like you got you know. Uh, Percy Harvin, or you got Peter Warwick out there, who's just going to take the ball and run a hundred yards. So, I, I, I agree. Uh, what's that? Another receiver that's kind of caught my eye is uh, KJ Hill. He, uh, 
receivers, we, we've still been trying to find all season, you know, continuity with the receivers and, and just who has reliable hands and, and you know, in and, and, and crucial moments, who can keep the chains moving on third down. Because this is what this offense is like. It's like it's like we're having this conversation. It's, it's feast or famine. You know, they're either getting huge chunk plays, but sometimes it's okay to just go be at third and five, third and three, and, and, and get you six yards or, or seven yards just to move the chain. Sometimes you just need a, a long drive. You know, it doesn't always have to be big chunk plays. So that's my only my only concern, and, and keeping yourself – in the right down and distance early where sometimes, you know, you have to switch it up where you first down and then come back and, and run it. But the key to this team to me is still you, you got to pound the football. You pound the football with those two talented running backs, good things will happen. And we saw that against uh, Michigan State. You could, you could see that with Mike Weber. He, it, it was his game this game. And, you know, you never know uh, in another game it could be J.K. Dobbins. You have that beauty of of two talented backs in your backfield. You you got to feature them. Yeah, you hear Wilson said they ran the ball against Iowa thirty times. Well, that consisted of I think double digit runs yet again from you know J T. Barrett, and it, it, mm-hmm. that's not a run. I'm talking about no. lining up and just running straight at somebody, and that's what Iowa did to the Buckeyes, and they wore them exactly. down. And you know. I just I don't understand how you got that much talent and how that goes. I mean, the interceptions didn't help either. It was just a bad day there. But, you know, the one thing, Garrett, as we look around college football, the Buckeyes still have the opportunity. Thank goodness the yeah. Big Ten – I hear this slander all the time around here from these talking heads and whatnot. The Big Ten is not a good conference and all this stuff. How is it not a good conference when you still got teams in the top ten? Yeah, I, I don't understand what that means. You know, Wisconsin's yeah. undefeated. The Buckeyes are still a team that nobody really wants to play, especially coming here to Columbus if you're not Oklahoma. Um, you know, like, so who else is out there that could really play? I mean, the, the college football whole picture, the playoff picture is wide open this year, especially when you have the number two team have a loss on their record to Syracuse. So don't tell me that this team, you know, like is not as good as all the other teams out there. So, you know, I think this is the most wide-open year that we've seen in a long time. And we saw Bama, who is the number one team in the nation, no matter whether or not, you know, Nick Saban can understand why kids wear holes in their jeans, which they've been doing that since the 80s, since rock bands, you know, since since Harry Rock was big. But nevertheless, you know, they almost got upended by Nick Fitzgerald and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. It was a great play at the end of the game by Jalen Hurts. I give them all the credit. But, you know, they were getting ran all over the field by Mississippi State, who had a great game plan. So week in, week out, anything that can happen. So if the Buckeyes get that opportunity to get into that playoff with a month to prepare, hopefully they'll be ready to go. But we still got a lot of football to play between that all the way up. We do. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I guess – Saban, he's a uh, West Virginia guy, so, you know, what the hell do they know about fashion out there anyways? But I had to take that shot. It, it, it was there. But, um, you know, if you look at linebackers were out for both teams. So that's, you know, that that can kind of come back to, to, to haunt you. But I think, you know, if the Buckeyes, if they can find a way to win out impressively, you know, it starts with Illinois, make a statement there, you come back, you, you beat that team up north, and then you go out to Indianapolis and, and you show off and you beat a Wisconsin 
Hey man, I, I, you still have a a very valid resume for uh, telling the college for play, college football playoff committee that hey the, the Buckeyes deserve to be in there, and you know you just look at the teams ahead like there there's no team that doesn't have some kind of flaw, you know, and I, I feel like with Alabama, the the Achilles heel of, of Alabama every season is a mobile quarterback, which we do have. And a, and a team that is built, you know, kind of like they are, where you have to have the physicality in your offensive and defensive lines, which OSU has already demonstrated before playing them. You know, uh, Clemson, the jury is still out on this this uh, Kelly kid. I believe it's Kelly, the, the quarterback. Hmm. And, and um, you know, Georgia Georgia showed their true colors. I, I, was, I was arguing with a Georgia fan. I was like, look, man. I've seen this scenario before where they they win the games that you know they're supposed to win the game, uh, but against big big time teams they find a way to choke, and and you know they went out to Auburn and and they just went and laid a, a proverbial egg. There's no way for me else to cut the, you know to cut that you know they laid an egg. Um, so Georgia, I'm I'm really not impressed with the SEC East. To me, is a cakewalk. Anyways, I mean just look at it. The Florida, you, 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 they're getting fired. The head coach is getting fired at Florida. Tennessee, the head coach is getting fired. So, I mean, really look at Alabama and who they're you, – you used to have that argument saying that the SEC is so dominant and the Big Ten is weak. But when you have a hairball, Jim Harbaugh, coming up to that team up north, and now you have a James Franklin, and now you have a DJ Durkin at Maryland, that solidified the Big Ten East. It used to be said to be said that SEC was the most dominant division in California. That's not the case anymore. OSU with their resume of playing the out of conference game against Oklahoma and then playing in the Big Ten, the Big Ten East, one of the I'd say the toughest division in the nation with the coaches that who are within that landscape. And let me not forget a Mark D'Antonio who has been like kryptonite for Urban Meyer in, in, in this school since he's been at at OSU. You know, with all that taking that into account, man, we play in the toughest division. So if the college football committee is going to have any mercy on someone, it will be an OSU because now you can say, hey, Ohio State has to go through that gauntlet before they uh, they can even think about getting to the playoffs. Their conference is just no cakewalk. Well, some of the games I look at, we know the Iron Bowl is coming up for Bama and Auburn. That might take care of itself to help OSU mm-hmm. move up. Uh, mm-hmm. Oklahoma might stumble against West Virginia with them coming into Norman. Um, you know, like it, it, the opportunity and, is there. Miami got, might. No, go ahead. Yeah, I got one more, and I got Clemson. I have Clemson. I'm not. I'm not buying all this. Uh, this hype, especially with a Mark Rick team, and it, these aren't even his recruits. I have Clemson in the ACC championship down there in uh, Carolina uh, at the Panthers uh, Stadium. I, I got them. I have Clemson beating. Um, Miami. That's that, that's just my take. I, the, I turnover, my, the turnover chain don't the travel. Man, what chain, yeah, all, all those gimmicks they have right now with the turnover chain and the U is back. I think I they put think the turnover chain on the plane. They'll take it up to Carolina, man. Right, right, right. But I think that that offensive line of of Miami still isn't doesn't have that physicality enough. They're not large enough to to play with the big boys of uh, Ohio State and uh, Alabama or Clemson. They, they, the defensive fronts will manhandle that offensive line, but go ahead. 
Well, I just I look at that, and it's just one of those things where I think this is a case of we we talk about like just the way that the Buckeyes have gotten back right now, being with the seven and two record, that they're in a spot that a spot right now just because of the things that have happened week to week. So we got the big rivalry, uh, you know, weekend coming up, Thanksgiving weekend with those games. You talked about the championship game. We got to let this one play out, ladies and gentlemen, and then we know the Buckeyes will be ready to uh, make a statement. They did it before Urban Meyer got that team up, that they had that had laid that 52-0 smackdown on Wisconsin. So if that's the matchup, which it looks like it's going to be, the Buckeyes should be ready to do that. So, But we got Illinois. We got the, you know, the game. Um, and I think we just enjoy these next two weeks, man. And speaking of enjoying the next two weeks, it's senior day, Garrett. Um, we know JT Barrett, Billy Price. We You, you think about the seniors on this football team, uh, always a special occasion. Um, but uh, I feel bad for Illinois because they're going to catch a smack down too. And hopefully we get some of my favorite thing in the world, which is Joe Burrow time, who is cleared to play healthy and should be out there if the Buckeyes get up big in the second half. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you like like I said, man, it's just instant chaos. College football is chaos because you just, like I said before, you don't have just that one cut-and-dry team that's better than everyone else because Alabama, like we've seen, they can be had as well. And uh, it'll just be interesting to see these next three weeks, which are, you know, your finishing of the, the regular season, the last two games, and then uh, your your championship weekend. I mean, that's three weeks of football where anything else can happen. Uh, we could have another shakeup in the top four within the next two weeks before your championship game. So, like like you said, man, it, it should be fun and exciting football. And with rivalry week, I, I look for things to be turned upside down again. So, we just got to watch it, embrace it, enjoy it, and, and you know, just hope OSU just – just continues, you know, with under Urban Meyer, you know, to to peak at the right time. Now, the one thing is, I don't care if you know the snow apocalypse happens. The Buckeyes should beat Illinois and get the Illabuck Trophy. I mean, you know, hold on to the Illabuck Trophy, of course. <laughs> but uh, where do you rank? We talk about Senior Day, JT Barrett, man. Where does he rank in the you know the Buckeye quarterbacks for your your fandom list? You know, if we had to list it out, you know, give me your top five or so. Man, uh, quarterbacks-wise, from what I've watched, and, you know, some Buckeye fans will be ready to kill me, but I, I have – well, they, they wouldn't kill me over this. I'd, I'd probably say maybe number one, maybe Braxton. Number two, I'd say Troy Smith. Number three, I'd say a Terrell Pryor, and I'd say maybe going number four, I'd probably go – what Cornelius Green and then number five I'm I'm gonna go to go, I'm I'll go with J T Barrett you know he's he's basically uh, passing wise touchdown you know he I mean I know he plays in a different offense than the Woody Hayes offenses of uh, three yards in the cloud of death pounded up the middle eye formation offense you know you're throwing it in a spread offense with Urban Meyer but I mean what what can you say the guy the kid is you know he's he's had a a great great career. The only blemish and tarnish that's going to be on his career is the year they won it all. You know he got hurt, and I think you know I, I don't think people really take in consideration that I think that knee injury kind of really changed his game, and I think he lost some of his athleticism. And I, I just think you know 
if he could, if if he's able some kind of way, if the if the Buckeyes can sneak into the playoffs and he can win a national championship, then I would put him up there at number one. But for right now, he's he's at five for me. Well, I'll tell you this: number one to me is Troy Smith. I mean, I'm okay. a Cleveland guy. You know, he's from uh, Cleveland. Yeah, okay. yeah so yeah, it's with an Ohio <laughs> bias, so we'll go with a two one six bias. But, you know, the one thing about Troy Smith, he ushered in that era under Trestle, you know, of beating Michigan. I mean, the four straight, you know, the four straight wins against the team up north. And then, of course, you know, um, everything. I just, I don't know. Like, it always, that that's just something special to me. Um, number two, you know what I'm saying, I got Craig Kunzel because he, he delivered the big one. You know what I mean? That's so, true. Uh, that's true. I, uh, I, that's I mean, right. We think about Holy Buckeye and just how special of a season that was. I mean, whenever we needed him to make a play, man, that guy, the surgeon, you know, was there. So uh, uh, number number three for me is Cornelius Green. It wasn't a guy that I got to see play until post, you know, of course. But just the way that he is with the alumni, his visibility for the university, and how gracious he is to all Buckeye fans. I mean, not, it just goes along with the legacy that he had from that Orange Bowl and things like that. So, um, And then number four, man, he comes in. I call on him now the caretaker. He might have stayed too long, but he's ushering in this program to a new era, and that's JT Barrett, man. So I think he's on that list. You talk about the way that this season could finish. I mean, anything else to me is just, you know, gravy on top. And then, of course, um, I, I've got a combination of five. It's not fair. I mean, a combination of three, but it's not fair. Just guys that I've seen that I enjoy watching, and that's Stanley Jackson, Joe Germain, and Braxton. <laughs> so I throw all of them in that box number five spot. So, yeah, I mean, there we go. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Like Stanley Jackson uh, back in the day as well, Joe Germain, those guys. I, I remember those names. Uh, now, yeah, my top five all terrible list, Steve Belisari, Steve Belisari, Steve Belisari. So, yeah, I'm saying, but, you know, <laughs> but we'll, 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 we'll keep that for another podcast in the off season. You know what I'm saying? Also, Arch Leister on that list, but that's because of what he did after he got done. Um, you know what I mean? But I think about it, though, uh, Garrett, like even the list, man, I mean, I think this is going to be a special – special weekend for JT Barrett, man. Just, I think this is all going to come to it. And maybe he's able to find that calmness to really finish this thing, this season, the way that we want to all see it. And uh, like we said, everything falls together that they get the opportunity to be in the college football playoff and see how far they can go. So, um, you know, it looks like the Buckeyes are going to be in the Big Ten Championship, and uh, we get to see the best. Hopefully JT Barrett has saved his best for last. We get more uh, – Two weeks ago, and not last, you know, not a week and a half ago. So, definitely, definitely, I, I think the key for OSU is consistency, and you know, it's November, and what is, what travels in November and December and January, and you know, the cold weather months, running the football, you know, uh, playing a little bit of a field position here and there, and playing tough defense. If they can just stick to running the football, the passing game will come around because it, it, the, the, the the offense is built off of play-action passing, which means the running game, if it's successful, then you'll have those lanes and, 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 and holes to, to, you know, basically fake it to the running back and have wide-open guys streaking up the middle. So that's just my, my, my thing is just stick with the running game. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I can promise you this. You're going to enjoy your turkey and Thanksgiving, and you can give thanks because with Ohio Bias, we'll be back with another 10th unit report for the game. You know we love that. So we'll be definitely talking that and uh, seeing where the Buckeyes are and see what happens in college football to see, you know, how they stack up. We should be moving up in the rankings at least one spot by next week. So, uh, Garrett, if you want to say goodbye to the good people. Hey, man, it's, uh, you know, this Veterans Day uh, just passed, and, you know, I am a veteran, and i I just like to give a shout-out to everyone in the great state of Ohio that's a veteran and and, uh, who has a family member as a veteran or may have lost a uh, veteran, you know, due to war, you know, serving for our great country. And, uh, you know, I look for the Buckeyes. You know, we just need to be – we need to stick to the running game, be consistent, and, uh, you know, let's let's just see what happens, man. You know, it's a couple weeks left. Let's just hope and hope and pray, and we, we can maybe we can sneak in here to this college football playoff. And if we get in there, I just feel like we're going to do damage and redeem ourselves from this, this Clemson debacle that I, I get reminded by the haters, uh, you know, so very often. So, as always, OH. I-O. There we go. Go Bucks. Yeah, they lost. They lost to Syracuse. I, you know, what I mean, I don't want to hear anything from those guys. Like, you beat Ohio yeah. State, but you lost to Syracuse. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Syracuse. That's basketball. <laughs> oh, you know, they've put out. I mean, one of some of the best. What Jim Brown? They like they put out some names at running back. But yeah, overall, no. overall, overall, they put out Donovan McNabb too. They put out my, players. My boy Donovan, yeah. Kevin Johnson as well. No, they got players. I don't like, but I mean, they're not a powerhouse program where that team should be going up there and losing. I don't care if your quarterback leaves exactly. or not. Exactly. Like, exactly. You're, you're the mighty Clemson. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, I mean, you have one of the best defensive fronts in the nation. That that shouldn't happen there. Yeah. That, that's that just one of those things. You can't tell me how good you are on one hand and then you lose to Clemson. Man, I just don't. I don't know. You you ain't something the Kool Aid, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, man. Good rapping with you. Yes, sir. Until next week, man. So we'll try to shoot for next week, Tuesday. So I don't see no problem on my schedule right now. So Tuesday at 1030. All right, bud. All right. I'll see you. careers and anybody that has put their life on the line and dedicated their life to service. So uh, I want to thank them. Make sure you follow us at with an Ohio bias on Twitter. You'll see the hot takes from us fast and furious about 
you know, teams losing like Clemson to Syracuse and uh, what we think about the college football playoff in real time. And then uh, on all sports and all things Ohio. So uh, make sure you also give us a like on the Facebook. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.